Oh, it's a good sound. Uh, hello, guys. Welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. I am Sandy, your host. And this evening, I am joined, well, virtually joined, um, by professional kite surfer, uh, team manager, uh, YouTube vlogger, uh, Sam Light. Um, he is a UK professional kite surfer, really, really big on the UK and international stage um, within the sport of kite surfing. For those of you who don't know what kite surfing is, um, I would go and Google it because, you know, it's a pretty mental sport. It's fa- fairly similar to what I do windsurfing, except I use a sail, they use a kite, and they can jump much higher than, than we can. Um, but Sam has competed all over the world. I've actually watched him compete um, at the Red Bull King of the Air when I was in Cape Town, um, and it's really, really impressive. And we got into some some really interesting conversation, maybe not so heavy on, on mental health compared to previous episodes, uh, but really interesting to get his take on things like standing in front of a camera, putting yourself out there, um, and, and kind of trying new things. Um, and that's kind of the hope with this podcast. As I said, you know, every episode isn't going into serious mental health issues, but that's all right. It's just about getting us, you know, together, sharing a beer and, and talking really and, and sharing some experiences. And hopefully you guys will enjoy that and find some, some inspiration from that. Uh, so for this episode, I have a bare lager from Drygate Brewing Company. Um, and yeah, it's, it's bloody delicious. Uh, Sam didn't have any beers. He had, didn't have any left. So he was on the G&Ts. Ooh, darling. Um, but yeah, guys, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, as usual, any feedback, anything like that is very much appreciated. If you guys could support the podcast, give me a follow on Spotify, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, all the usual stuff. Um, but yeah, guys, please enjoy the episode. Boom, guys. Good evening. I'm joined by uh, Mr. Sam Light, pro kite surfer. Uh, Sam, how you doing, mate? Hey, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, mate. Thank you for coming on. I mean, we've we've never actually met in in person, but you were we were just chatting before I start hit record, and we've got a, a couple of random mutual friends. Um, you know, one one for you is pretty local. Like I think you, you know, you go down to the Wake Park quite a lot, and you know my mate Mikey, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Two two good mutual friends in in different circles. It's. It's a small world, water sports. <laughs> it is a small world, yeah. And then, and then even more random, the last, my first episode that I recorded, those of you that listened to the last ones, uh, my friend Ollie, um, who, who works on super yachts and stuff, and you, you were working on, the, on one of the yachts he was on that it does some kite tuition and stuff, doesn't it? Like some foiling? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we hung out for the week. I was out on the boat while he was there, so yeah, yeah, yeah. got to know Ollie well also, so that was nice. He's a good yeah. dude. He's a legend, mate. He's an absolute legend um nice so yeah i mean uh those of you that have listened to the podcast before you know uh i'm a i'm a windsurfer um i've never actually tried kite surfing despite working in a center that offered the coaching i kept i kept meaning to get around to it um but i think you know windsurfing was just the one i found myself doing i know there's a lot of rivalry and a lot of that but personally i think that's all a load of shit um we're all just there we're all there for the same reason um but yeah, yeah. How, how did how did you get into into kite surfing how did how did this come about for you yeah um so growing up i was always into um you know sports and skateboarding um and then yeah like my grandpa and dad did a little bit of sailing yeah so we did a little bit of sailing growing up um and i did a bit of you know little dinghy had a little dinghy that i used to sail in and then um yeah did a did a bit of wakeboarding behind a boat um behind my friend's rib a couple of times and really enjoyed that and then I actually had a um an older cousin who's just a couple of years older than me learn to kite on Hailing Island and I grew up on Hailing Island and it just happens to be one of the best places in the UK for kiting so I was just exposed to it at a young age um and yeah having you know a slightly older cousin that learned and then helped me get into it um and that was it, really. I was 13 when I learned. And also my dad obviously helped out a lot, um, you know. And then, yeah, I was 13 and uh, the rest is history, really. But it just kind of grew, you know. It was something I, I really enjoyed at the start. And then over the years, you know, I started doing the competitions and then getting sponsored and then it develops the spot. I just kept pursuing it. And then when I first start, you know, left school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did a bit of teaching and, you know, a bit of sponsorship here and there would, would get by and I'd be able to, you know, go to the next destination. Um, and, and over the years, it evolved and became more of a job and it got a bit more sponsorship. And then eventually I was able to make a living from it and sort of travel full time. Um, but yeah, and then it's evolved a lot over the years. 
um, you know, into different, you know, more slightly more video production or comps or, and then now I'm actually um, the team manager for Slingshot as well. So now I actually manage, um, yeah, a load of um, other athletes as well, which is cool using everything that I've learned over, you know, the yeah, past. Yeah. I've probably been, you know, professional for sort of like 12 years or something and kited for uh, around 18 years or something crazy. Um yeah, a long, long time now. So yeah. I'm actually 30 tomorrow. And oh, I, and I love when I was 13. So, uh, yeah, eight, 18 years, which is pretty crazy. Big 3-0. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Big 3-0 yeah. tomorrow. Oh, nice, mate. Well, I mean, yeah, it's funny. Did you, did you learn... Um, did you like learn to do it in school? Were you one of those kids that, you know, like you always see these kids in America, like finishing school and then running out with a wetsuit on and stuff. Like, did you, were you one of those kids where you like bunking off school to go out in, when it was windy and things, or were you not quite? Yeah. As- yeah. Kind of not massively like bunking off school, but yeah, definitely. Uh, one or two times when I started to do the, the British comps, there was a good little British circuit where we had sort of yeah. five or six events throughout the year. And, often they're you know start on a Friday and I'd you know leave school to do that but um yeah yeah definitely I was doing it you know I kind of did it did it more and more near the end of school and then college and then kind of just scraped through college there was too many fun (laughs) distractions and also kiting and just you know just about got some grades and then yeah and then left and just pursued it really but at at the meet at the time it was just like you know I really enjoyed it. And it was also a means to travel as well. It was quite a fun way to travel. So, um, yeah, it kind of just grew from there, really. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, for me, like windsurfing and stuff, that's what, that's what I found. I mean, I didn't start windsurfing till I was 18, 19. Um, but, yeah, like for, for me, all the places I've been to around the world have all happened because of windsurfing. And that's looking back at it now, like I'm, I'm 30 next year. So it's quite nice looking back on it and being like, fuck, I've been to actually quite a lot of pretty cool places and it's all kind of happened because of this sport. Like I wouldn't have gone to any of them without it really. Um, so yeah, it's- it's a unique way to travel, um, you know, that adventure tourism, like chasing, that's the fun part, you know, it's like that old saying of it's, you know, the journey, not always yeah. the destination. And especially when you're like seeking out good conditions or, you know, and also you learn about the culture and stuff on route as well so yeah Yeah. definitely like when I first started to travel it was you know more like a gap year travel where and also I was you know teaching to make money and I'd go you know do tick tick a few touristy boxes and then over the year the travel kind of blends into more like work and you sometimes it flips and you're like oh I can't wait to go home you know I've been traveling loads and you sort of lose touch of actually how how lucky you are sometimes you know yeah definitely and I mean at what at what point were you, um, were, you know, was there a bit of a point for you where you were like, holy shit, this is now what I do for a living? Or was it, did it kind of just transition really? Yeah, because it was so gradual, there was never like, you know, a, a certain point. Um, but there was a few key points. Like one thing that really helped me break out of the UK scene into the international scene um, was I, I was riding for Nash and I was like sort of, I don't know, probably 17, 18. I was just sort of finishing college. And I heard they were doing this thing called the Nash House and they got all the European team riders out to Hawaii and, and did a photo shoot, basically, and also taught everyone how about media and that. Yeah. Um, and I heard, out, heard about it last minute and then paid for myself to go. Um, it's like a tag along. And then, you know, loved it, worked really hard and asked them, like, you know, how can I, you know, keep doing this? And... I got on really well with the the brand manager and he was like, oh, between me and you if, you, if you came back for the product shoot and offer your services, you know, and worked hard, you're more than likely to get reimbursed for your costs. Um, and I went for it, you know, six months later, came back for the shoot, paid for myself and, you know, worked my ass off. And then, you know, they needed someone like me on the team at the time. So I kind of got my foot in the door. And then once you start doing the... Uh, you know the annual photo shoots then you start going in an advert and then you know start being used in a product video and then you have a bit more of you know a portfolio and something yeah a profile to show other sponsors and and it just you know kind of elevates you as a brand to more internationally so you know distributors from other countries learn your name not just the uk so 
yeah yeah that definitely helped um you know get on to the international scene but yeah it wasn't kind of like one one thing it kind of just each year I would always you know sort of reinvest and, and just keep it rolling and then it would grow to the next thing so yeah yeah well it's, it sounds like I think there's a, there's a lot of people especially in you know in windsurfing but I think kite surfing is pretty similar I mean the industry is maybe slightly bigger but you know it's not it's not surfing or golf or basketball is it you know there's not unlimited funds and and all this but I think there is a lot of people that kind of just sit there and they go, oh, well, I'm coming first in everything, so it's fine. And they don't quite realize that actually putting yourself out there is a really big thing sometimes, even if, you know, you, you might be kind of like a young gun coming up or not the best rider or anything. But if you're kind of willing to put the time in and, and, and do all this, I think that's almost respected just as much, isn't it? Like you saying, right, I'll, I'll fly myself out there and I'll do what I need to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think... Uh... Yeah, you just, you know, find something you enjoy and latch onto it and do it the best as you can and it will uh, take you somewhere cool, you know? Exactly, mate. I think, yeah, I think there's a <laughs> lot of people that, that maybe sometimes aren't willing to, like, dip the toe in the water with that. Do you, like, do you agree? Like, I think a lot of people are kind of a bit apprehensive. Yeah, I think, to be honest, for me, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is it's it's consistency, you know, over a long time. It's perseverance. It's everybody thinks oh you suddenly make it and you win one comp and it, and you do one video and you land this trick and that's it you know it's the carpet's rolled out for you but it really couldn't be further from the truth it is it's a lot of hard work yeah we we sell the dream but it's very much you know knowing and finding that balance between the, the you know work hard and play hard type thing yeah yeah um so yeah it's just it really does take take a long time to to keep you know before people start paying attention and you build you know value as as a brand yeah definitely well i've seen you know i've seen like oh, i've got friends that have been on on maui doing like the windsurf photo shoots and they've said yeah all the pictures and videos that come out make it look like heaven but actually you're you know he said some days you're sitting around waiting and it's not the right light and yeah it sounds sounds lovely sitting on a beach in hawaii but i think you know there can be frustrating elements to doing this kind of job as well um, that maybe some people look at as, oh, calm down, don't moan about it. But I think it's all relative, isn't it, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's sort of like, there's nothing worse than like a prima donna. So it's really important to, you know, always be humble in that respect. Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, it's hard for most people to uh, understand like how a, a photo shoot can be really tough, but it's it's the physical aspect because you're shooting, you know, at sunrise and sunset, you're on the water, you know, yes, it's what we love doing, but when you have to do it for five hours a day in like really like brutal sunshine, you know, yeah, yeah. um, like the sun itself just completely ruins you. Yeah. You get um, Yeah, exactly. So no, it's great fun, but you're just absolutely spent. Um, at the end of the week, it is actually hard work. It's funny, like when you when you have to do something, you don't want to do it. When you can't do it, you, <laughs> you really want to do it. You yeah, know? yeah, but it, well, it's, the, it's a bit it, like that. Grass is always greener, isn't it? That's what you know. Exactly. Unfortunately, yeah. us, us as humans can't seem to ever be happy with what we've got, can we? But yeah. So I mean, in terms of of actual kind of kite surfing, then I mean, I I've, I mean, I've been to to Cape Town quite a few times. Uh, I've been I've been a few times on windsurf sure. stuff, and I've that was where my first like real kind of appreciation of kiting came around because before that I mean I'd, I've been to Brazil and seen it there but I'd never seen any you know we went down and like watched King of the Air the first year I was there and all that it was actually the first I was year probably I in the event I think you might have been it was the year that um it was the year uh Lewis had a mega bad crash yeah yeah okay yeah yeah so um that year and the year after I was there but you know watching oh. watching things like that I was just like obviously you know blown away that you guys you know jump a couple of hundred feet in the air or whatever and then just go downwind and you know you end, yeah. end up halfway down at melt boss and then have to come back upwind um in big bay but like what does what's what the fuck is that like 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 doing something like king of the air where you've got thousands of people on the beach and you've got to literally go and like put, put your life on the line to be honest like having seen what yeah. happens and stuff like talk talk me through what that's like if you can uh yeah yeah Cape Town's a unique place where, you know, you have the combination of the, the like, cold, dense wind um, yeah. and the sort of, you know, warmer air. So lots of people go there and the big waves too. Yeah. And that cold wind, you're able to jump 
um, you know, higher than anywhere else, especially off a wave. So Cape Town's, you know, really established itself as like the best big air place because um, it's consistently really windy right through our winter. So lots of people yeah, yeah. from Europe go there. Um, and yeah, I actually did that. So when they brought the, the King of the Air back in 2013, because it was in Maui back in the day. And it, yeah, yeah. They, didn't, they didn't do it for a long time. And then they brought it back to Cape Town. Uh-huh. Um, I did the first one, yeah, in 2013 and came third and then I've done them ever since but haven't got back on the podium. I, I didn't do last year or the year before because I messed up my ribs. Oh, um, so I dropped out of the event and then didn't get back in this year because I wasn't able to, to collect any footage because I was recovering from my ribs. So you get into the event with a wildcard video. Right. And then actually regarding, yeah, just... The feeling it is insane. Um, just riding in Cape Town itself is is a massive rush, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, you go so much higher than anywhere else. But when you combine that with you know a crowd, and you can actually, especially where it used to be at Big Bay, and Big Bay is like a natural amphitheater. Yeah, that was so where the I crowd was. is kind of yeah, yeah. So the crowd kind of like stand on the beach, and you can really hear them, and and yeah. and the uh, commentator or the guy on the mic. Um, yeah, you can hear them scream, but I actually like having my headphones in because I don't like, you know, hearing that, really? having that. Yeah, because in the middle of the air, you're upside down 20 meters up and you can hear go, oh, oh and Sam's going for uh, this trick. And I'm like, shut up. No, I'm not. Oh, I wasn't, <laughs> you got in my head, you know. So I just found in competitions, um, I do a lot better if I, if I just could zone out and, and listen to my tunes. Yeah, that's um, but you yeah, you can't you can't beat that rush of like just going for it in in the event. It's epic. You just normally always have that slight hes not hesitation, but you know you're constantly weighing up the risks. But in the event, it just all goes out the window, and it's just you just every all of those feelings that of like oh should I do this? Oh, that's quite could go wrong. It's just balls to the wall. Let's go. <laughs> so do you, even even though you don't listen to that crowd, like when you're there and, and like, I remember when I was there, there's like, mate, you've got like red bull trucks just blaring out like mega house music. Like there's thousands of people on the beach. Like it's, it's a full on proper event. Um, yeah, it's a good scene. I think they have, yeah, something like five, 7,000 people on the beach. It's such a, it's like one of the days we look forward to the most. Cause we'd always like go sailing in the morning and then just like, you know, smash down there and you just sit, sit on the grass and drink a few beers. Like it's a, it's a real cool thing. It was, to I can it was only weird this year not being in the event you know, and being completely relaxed about it. Yeah. Because last year I pulled out just like a day before, and this year I was knew I was definitely not going to be riding, and it was a strange feeling, Yeah. you know, just like not getting that, those butterflies. Was that, um, was that, was that quite a frustrating thing for you, like being there and not being in it? Or, or was it, like you said, were you, were you pretty chilled about it and just taking the vibe in, or was there part of you that... Yeah, no, I was definitely a little bit bummed because... My, I've been really struggling with my ribs for, you know, over a year now, which is okay. really frustrating. And I kind of re-injured them a couple of times. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely a little bit bummed on the day and, and you kind of miss out on the hype and everything surrounding the event. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, I was kind of motivated to... I was able to get footage this year, so to try and get in next year again, because yeah. obviously I was I was still riding this year, but just not a hundred percent. So, yeah. So hopefully, all good though. Um, I had other stuff going on, and and what was actually really nice this year, super refreshing, is to to not have the pressure of the event and be able to work on some new tricks, because the event itself has evolved um, over the years, and and the tricks have changed slightly. Yeah. Like I'm used to riding, you know, wakeboard bindings on my board and now kind of everyone in big air has gone back to foot straps and, yeah, and yeah. it's more board offs and old school. And I kind of never um, did that stuff when I learned to kite. I kind of just went straight down the wakeboard route because of my wakeboard background. Yeah. So then it was nice this year to actually, it's weird, you know, you don't want to go back and learn these tricks, but I had to, you know, really just knuckle down and, and it was nice to not have any pressure and just actually go and learn a load of things that I should have spent a lot more time practicing that I kind of skipped back in the day so yeah well, it guess, was all good that must be it must be quite interesting for you know for, for for you especially because you are because it is your your day job and stuff I guess 
do, do you ever find it difficult to kind of separate doing kite surfing just because you love it and it's fun and doing it because you feel like you have to? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, the nice thing is that it, it all started from a passion of really enjoying yeah. to do it. Um, it, it yeah, it, it really ever feels like a job to actually go kiting. I guess the only time it ever does occasionally is when you're on a photo shoot and you're absolutely knackered, you know, and you're just so sore that you don't want to go out, but you have to go out and, yeah. you know, perform you some, to... some sick tricks. Yeah, you have to land um, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's really the only time. Um, but no, I, yeah, it's, it always is, is fun to me and a release to get on the water. But also it's nice to mix it up as well, like, kiteboarding's cool that it's super diverse so different times of year I focus on different disciplines yeah, you know? yeah. so during our winter I'm more big air in the summer I do more freestyle and park and and then foiling in between so it keeps it fresh yeah I guess yeah well it's you know similar thing with windsurfing as well like you know you said that you can you can go and do kite surfing completely differently every day really um like for me living over in the in the witterings you see it no matter what the wind is doing, as if it's over 10 knots, someone's out kiting, whether it's foiling or, you know, someone's on like a strapless board or, you know, yeah, someone's on a twin tip. Um, it's, it's one of those things. Do you, do you feel like, like even when you were um, out this year learning new stuff, do you feel, is there like a pressure there where you're like, oh shit, I, I really need to learn this stuff? Or again, are you just doing it because you're like, oh, yeah, I want to, I want to learn, I want to yeah. new moves. I want to progress. Or is it, is it like... Yeah, no, it's honest. Yeah, honestly, I just always have this, I'm sort of addicted to that feeling of learning new tricks. Like even this evening, I was skateboarding and learned two new tricks, which was I was super stoked about. Yeah, yeah. So I just love that feeling, yeah, of, of uh, you yeah. know, progressing. That's, a, that's, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a nice way of, that's much nicer way of being rather than feeling a pressure, isn't it? Especially, you know, for yeah. you, yeah. On the on a kind of pro level of it, I imagine there's quite a lot of people that probably feel that, like, oh, you know, shit, I really better start learning to do board offs, or I really better start learning to do, you know, this and this. Um, so it's quite nice that you can kind of sit there and go, actually, that's it's part of the process that I really enjoy. Yeah, and also I think the other way to look at it is like a lot of people were sort of like, you know, think they're it's easier for you to turn your nose up at learning something and be like, oh, that's not cool, or, uh, you know, to just not learn it. Mm. You know what I mean? There's always a reason not to, to do yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's actually humbling to to actually persevere and, and learn something and, and do something you're not good at because quite often, you know, when you're sponsored and a pro, um, when, yeah, when you're sponsored... And, and stuff you, yeah I guess you feel like I should be good at those tricks you know but if I've never done them you're kind of embarrassed to do them because you're not very good at them and you think yeah. you should be good at them you know what I mean but actually the only way to get better at them is to just do them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it is a catch you, everyone starts somewhere and so many people are just worried about what people think about them I mean, you just got to crack on because yeah that's the only way oh no I think and as well most of the time if someone's making fun of you not being that good at something or, you know, if they're, you know, whatever, a move you can't do, it's probably because they can't do it either. You know, most of the time, people that can already do it probably aren't making fun of you, you know. And I find generally yeah. in these kind of sports, people people tend to lift each other up more than more than people. Absolutely. You're all, you always have people like that. But I think because, you know, kite surfing, windsurfing, these kind of sports, they are so technical and require so much. There's so much to think about all the time. Um, which is one of the best things about it, but also one of the worst because progression does take time, you know. Um, obviously, like you said, you've been doing it for, yeah, eight, 18 years now. You know, I'm sure you you didn't start your first week, you were jumping 30 feet, you know. Um, yeah, and, you, and your progression goes, you know, in waves as well. You go yeah. through periods of, of good spells and, and flat spells. So, yeah, yeah. Just got to, yeah, keep on it. Yeah, I mean, it's the same same for, for me in, in, in windsurfing, obviously. Um, yeah, like I, you know, I have like one year where I'm like, I've literally, I've learned nothing this year. I've learned nothing new. Like me and me and Mikey, who, you know, like we go, we go windsurfing together quite a lot. Um, and every time we're out, you know, we're like, right, what's, what we're going to do? We're going to focus on. And that's, that's really nice having someone to like kind of bounce off a little bit. 
Definitely, yeah. That's one way to to really help the progression. Or I think it's super important to always have a homie and a crew to ride with because it really pushes you. Definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Having yeah someone else out on the water, and it, even even from like a safety point of view as well. You know, like what um what's what's that like for you? Like processing it. It's obviously kite kite surfing. Those people that haven't seen it, like it's pretty scary. You guys go pretty high and stuff. Uh, we we did you ever have like a a kind of barrier when you were younger or anything where you were like you know kind of this is this is getting a bit much or do you think you've always you know have, have that um yeah no kite surfing is definitely an extreme sport and can be super dangerous but uh no i, I can't say i did so i i had a, a bad accident when i was probably like 15 i set my kite up wrong and and got dragged down the beach Oh, you know, man. and actually released my kite just before the groin, so it could have been quite yeah. nasty. Yeah, um, yeah, and I was only wearing a shorty wetsuit, and like you know, lost all the skin on one leg. It was pretty gnarly, oh. and that really that really put me off. Um, but I kind of yeah, luckily my dad sort of helped, you know, keep pushing me to 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 keep going with it. So um, yeah, that was kind of the only time I remember you know being a little bit like you know, scared of it. Um, but no, for the most part, it's all just sort of, you know, calculate the risks and, you know, get more and more comfortable with, with the situation. Yeah. So is it, is it just kind of like, right today I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and jump this. I'm going to jump, jump X, you know, however high I can, and I'm going to do one rotation and then you kind of do that. And then the next day you're like, yeah, I'm going to do two rotations. And then I guess it's all, it's all relative. So, you know, if you've been doing it, for a long time it might be you know doing a, a triple rotation might be the same as someone just learning for the same yeah, time yeah. so it's yeah. kind of yeah the scale changes as yeah it's all but relative you, yeah as you as you progress your kind of your view of what's scary changes as well you know i mean for you now exactly it's not you know you're quite happy to go out in cape town in 45 knots and you know yeah double. and then just you, you you get rid of that fear by doing it you know that's the only way is to just to crack on and, and get out in 45 knots and once you've been out 10 times and that you're like oh that wasn't so bad I yeah I didn't die so I'll carry on you know yeah I think that's it and then I think you know if people are struggling with getting over that kind of barrier it's it's kind of you know a bit stupid to say it but that really is the only way like you've just got to, you've got to try and get over the hill you've just got to kind of charge at it yeah but also it's super important to, to learn all the basics. And I always say that you can't move up a level until you've, you know, opened all the doors and completed the level you're on. Yeah. If you try and go up, you know, too fast, then it'll end up, you know, hurting you in the long run. So, yeah, yeah it's, you can't just, sometimes you can be haphazard by just sending it, you know, it's kind of, it's got to be that with combined with a lot of control and, and like, you know, perfecting all the basics that you can do to then help you do that trick or whatever it is that's scaring you. If you've, you know, practice every part of it before doing it, even if it's launching a kite or for the first time, you know, if yeah. you've done everything you possibly can that will help you do it, then when you do it, it won't be that bad. Well, I mean, you know, for, for me, having worked at, you know, water sports centers and stuff, generally with kiting, launching and landing is the sketchiest bit by far. You know, for yeah. for most most kiters, you know, that's like the that's the bit which strikes the most fear into them and they're like, Oh, you know, someone lifted Yeah, the I mean nowadays, you know, kites have got a lot safer for sure in the last five years. Um so yeah, they're super safe. I think if you, you know, take lessons and you follow the right steps, it doesn't need to be scary. Yeah. Is that is that something so I mean, do you do you do quite a lot of teaching then, or is that is that something you kinda of used to do but don't really do that much anymore or yeah, I mean, to be honest, I never did that much. I, I did uh, a little bit. Um, I do some advanced stuff now. I do, yeah, the odd bit of coaching. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't do that much. When I first started to travel, I did. Um, but to be honest, the problem is uh, teaching beginners is pretty soul-destroying, or I found it. <laughs> like, Well, it's fun because you're on, on the beach and, you know, you can actually – make good money but 
the thing is, at the end of the day, once you've been teaching beginners all day, the last thing you want to do is to actually go on the water. Like, yeah. I'm ready to go, you know, have a beer or a cup of tea just to get off the beach. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so I just found that the more I taught, the more I didn't want to kite. And it was just, you know, I've seen it with quite a lot of instructors. You just end up kind of, yeah, resenting the sport that you once loved. So I was always quite conscious of like, not falling into their like full-time teaching role. And, and like, I'd rather, you know, I worked on building sites. I'd rather like be a laborer for the week and at four o'clock go kiting rather than like, you know, because also the thing is if you're teaching quite often, especially like the UK and stuff, you're teaching when, you know, the conditions are good and then you're not yeah. out there and it's like, wait, what, what's the point? So yeah. this is something you know, I never taught that much, but. I don't mind. I really enjoy the advanced teaching and I work with this really cool kite surf academy called the World Class Kiteboard Academy and it's a oh, remote high school that travel oh, all over I've the heard world. Of it. Yeah, this sounds sick. So what Yeah, so I do quite a bit of bit of work with them and just uh hang out with them for the week and give them lectures on sponsorship and, and coach them both on and off the water. So I and I love that, like, you know, the yeah having the groms and their sponges and their, their shredders. So that's that's sick when you're teaching them tricks. I just, yeah, was, for me, that's great fun. But just going through the motions of teaching a beginner sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you're kind of just following a script, aren't you? You can't, you know, whereas yeah. it's the same with me. Te- I, I taught windsurfing for years and stuff. And now, like, I, I'm not that bothered about teaching beginners. But if I get someone wanting to come along and learn learn some freestyle or something like that, I'm like, right, let's do it, you know. I think it, it, it's For one sure. of a bit like your own level as that goes up, and the more time you spent doing it, you know, doing that, you, you kind of end up changing changes things that you get excited about. Absolutely. Uh, that that world class kite surf academy that sounds mental. So you like you basically go around. Is it you go around with these kids and you go to all the best spots and you just coach them on how to be like a pro kiter, basically. Kind of, yeah. So yeah, the. The school and academy is fully remote. There's 20 kids and seven teachers and they do, yeah, like a different term in, in different world-class spots. Yeah. It's like essentially like a boarding school, but they're on location. Um, and yeah, they, 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 they do a normal school day in the morning and then when three o'clock or whatever comes, they head to the beach and then they just have guest coaches, you know, yeah. Some of the teachers coach and they have, you know, coaches throughout the year. But for the most part, they, they mainly focus on just facilitating the kids being in the best locations. It's it's yeah. hard to find, like, you know, full-time, really good coaches. So they bring in guests, you know, pros and, and coaches in different locations. Um, but then I, I do probably just about four weeks a year, so four yeah. different locations, and then just stay with them for a week and, and work with them every day after school. Nice. That sounds epic. Is that, is that, yeah. is that, that must be a pretty rewarding thing to do. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Really super rewarding. Like I'm all for, uh, yeah, the next generation and sharing like everything I've learned and, and passing on. Cause, cause these guys have a unique opportunity as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's, so it's cool to help them. If you, you know, looking back at your 15, 16 year old self, I'm sure that would have been a pretty, pretty sick thing for you when you were when you know you'd have taken that over anything i imagine when you were that age um yeah yeah for sure yeah that's what's that's what's cool is they they're sponges you know and they're they're super keen and yeah it's that's what's really nice working with them well it's it kind of sets them up on a bit of a path as well doesn't it you know it, it kind of like we said like i didn't have my eyes open to the world and all this stuff happening till i was like in my 20s you know so for them to be able to see it then i think it it does give you a bit of an appreciation of like the, the world around you, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And they get to experience, you know, cultures and they do a Spanish class in a, a market in Peru. It's pretty cool. Right, that's epic. Yeah. I so, mean, obviously it's not, it's not cheap, you know, it's, oh, of course. So, um, yeah, but if you, if you know, most of the, the students, a lot of the parents travel, you know, or otherwise they might go to a boarding school or, or something like that. But it's also not expensive as well. Like, it's not insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it's yeah, it's similar to, like, a, you know, a private school in the UK. So, yeah. 
Um, it's just the travel costs and stuff add up as well. But yeah, no, super cool program. Yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, you know, you've, you've kind of diversified um, yourself into it a little bit, obviously with the kind of dawn of social media and stuff like being, being a pro athlete's really different now. And you've, one of the things that you've gone into is like vlogging and stuff. So, I mean, uh, our past podcast I did with my friend Adam Sims, who's a pro windsurfer, he was talking about how he was thought about going into vlogging, but he, he said he tried doing it around Cape Town and he ended up feeling a bit, un, uh, he kind of, it was like getting in the way of his day rather than just being a part of his day. You know, he felt like he had to go to a different spot every day when actually all he wanted to do was go windsurf at Sunset or Big Bay, you know? So like, how... How have you managed to? Because your your vlogging's you know really really successful. Like I was watching the videos today, and like I watched the video of you learning to wing foil like months ago when you first put it out and stuff. And it, it's yeah. it's funny. You seem to have well from the outside looking in, you seem to have found that kind of balance. I mean, is that is that the case, or did you find it kind of weird to start with? Yeah, for sure, man. It's super weird to start, but yeah. I've always been into you know, making videos. I've always yeah. taken interest in producing media and it also has, you know, massive amount of value to, to sponsors. Yeah. Um, it's another platform and yeah, I guess I did the same for many years. Um, yeah, just, you know, thought about it too much. I think the problem is people just, yeah, need to take the head for a shit and you you worry about like what people think about you and you just need to just get over yourself because you set these expectations because you feel stupid yeah and when you first start doing it like anything it, it feels really weird you know to be talking to the camera and then your mates are taking the piss out of you uh, yeah. you know and you've really just got to get over yourself and just crack on you know um because in the long yeah they might take the mick at the start but in the long run when you've built up this following then all of a sudden it's like cool people are like oh you're making sick videos but yeah they weren't saying that six months ago they were the ones taking the mick out of you so you kind of just yeah got to hate is gonna hate and people all your mates are gonna take the mick out of you for sure but what's really cool about it is it's youtubers i find as a platform like yeah it's been very refreshing because i'm sick of Instagram and Facebook because it's just all this, the same rubbish, generic pictures and captions. And it's, it's you know, it's gone in an hour's time. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the stuff that does well is, is, is just, you've seen it all before. So what's cool about YouTube is you can be really specialist and niche and focus on your own, um, you know, knowledge and, and ideas that you have. So, and if people like it, they like it. Um, so yeah, yeah. I kind of like just second guessed myself for a long time. So I made a few videos like, oh, I look silly. I look silly. Yeah, what yeah. am I doing? And then you just get it out there. And I'm it's weird. I like don't don't ever look at myself in the mirror. Don't ever watch my videos back. Like I'm not um, you know a narcissistic person. People think that you have to be to vlog yeah, when it's yeah, actually yeah. it's actually not the case. It's kind of like the opposite. It's obviously, some people are because they you know get into it but I think actually a lot of it is people are so worried about their ego that they don't do it actually yeah. you kind of have to like you know yeah it's, it's kind of hard to explain but um yeah you kind of just have to to go for it and crack on but yeah I kind of resisted it and, and eventually you know I think it's really important to like keep moving especially if you want to be um, you know, a sponsored athlete, you know, similar to me, like forcing myself to get on the straps and board offs, you yeah. know, it was only a few years ago, I'd be taking the mick out of people doing them. And it's, you know, you, it's really important to move with the times and the vlogs is just, you know, another moving with the times. It's, it's a new platform and yeah, such a, a cool way to, to tell stories. I think that's what I really love is, is yeah, the, how you can, tell a story and, and share your experiences. Um, and yeah, and, and going back to what your mate said about, um, you know, feeling like you have to do things. I think that's, that's where he was going wrong, really. I think the, the trick is to, to not have to do something. You just do what you were going to do and you just film it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Okay. You, you have to sell a little part of your soul to, to make a vlog because, 
because in that moment when you know you want to be loving it you're, you're actually having to capture it too but like for example in Cape Town if I've just got a POV GoPro yeah um it doesn't detract from my session no, whatsoever yeah. so then I can film an intro super quick before just ride how I would and then film an outro and that's a video and then it starts a following um but if you're trying to put more yeah um if you're doing more talking and stuff then you know yeah it it takes away slightly from the experience, but you just got to find that balance. You know, it's, it comes back to that, like making it a, a job. Like there's, you know, if you're always thinking that you, you kite surf, you know, just for yourself, then you're not going to get paid. Yeah. It will be, you get the most enjoyment out of it. But yeah, you got to find that balance because yeah, there are those occasions, you know, let's say I, I kite 10 days in Cape town. I'll make a vlog on, you know, one day or two days and the eight days I can practice and enjoy. But most, you know, actually majority of professional athletes, kite surfers, you know, kite surf 9.8 days and they use 0.2% or whatever to, to actually do something for their sponsors, you know, because yeah. cause you're, so wor- you're so worried about riding all the time when you turn into this person because you love it. You just want to ride. You can't get enough you end up not actually producing anything. And, and you always, it's the best sessions where you don't want to film when actually sometimes you need to film, you know? So it's, it's yeah, it's that, it's that balance because yeah, you never make a vlog and just enjoy it as your passion, but then don't expect to get paid. So then you have to get a job to go to that trip. So, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you can not vlog and enjoy it, but you're not going to, have any value to a sponsor so it's what do you actually want would you rather have a normal job and enjoy it or it's you know it's what what you want to do finding the balance i think that's it isn't it i think yeah that's the, that's the best word for it is just balance and you you know because essentially doing this you're you're kind of your own boss so you can yeah like you said you can completely pick and choose um i think that's really it's really interesting what you said about like starting it and with your mates taking the piss and i think it's it's pretty admirable what you did where you're just like, Oh, fuck it. You're going to think, you're going to think it's cool in a few months. Um, and like, I've, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've kind of had that, you know, those kind of experiences as well. Like with making I, a podcast, it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, exactly. you listen to your voice, you're like, man, I sound so stupid. Yeah. Why do I sound so stupid? Yeah. And you, and the truth is you don't sound stupid. It's just a natural human oh, thing yeah. to everyone, guess yourself. Yeah. Everyone you know. always, you know, like I, the, the other day I, um, I've got like the office upstairs and I, I went downstairs and my mum was listening to my podcast from last week and I walked in and was just like, oh, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> yeah. I can't hear yeah, it. Yeah, no. I, I barely watch my videos back. I get them out there and, and, and occasionally like, oh. go back and watch it and it's like, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, most just, people watching it don't aren't thinking that, you know, they're, oh, they're enjoying it. So. Not at all. They're, they're, they're finding value in it, you know. Like looking at yeah. the stats, like you know, a couple of your videos have got like over a hundred thousand views and stuff. So I mean, there's there's obviously value there, and you know, there's people out there enjoying them. Like I watched the one of you racing a uh, racing um, the the yacht, the foiling yacht. Earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like you're you know you're, you're putting out you know good content and stuff. But I think for a lot of people, yeah, it's just getting over that initial like like you know even with learning a new move like just dipping your toe in the water initially and just going right i'm i'm gonna surrender myself to this and actually put myself out there um and i think that's where a lot of people stop don't they they kind of hit that wall of like i can't do that i've never done it before yeah it's just getting out your comfort zone you know just trying to be comfortable in the uncomfortable is and it still feels weird like if i'm in a group and stuff like it's hard to vlog, but now actually like a year and a half later, I'll, I can whip out a camera with my mates and, and suddenly they'll all feel awkward and I'm chatting away, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, and also I think what's, what's cool about it is like with videos, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, like, oh, you can choose the parts that you like. And if you think that, you know, talking to camera and going, hey, what's up, guys? You know, like it's cheesy. Then just, just don't make those type of videos. Like, just, just make the videos that you think are cool. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that's so I think that's what's what's nice about the videos is you can really just, yeah, choose your own avenue and path of how you want to create the content. 
But yeah. either way, yeah, you might if you need to create it, you might as well. I think it's I think it's really important to you know, especially especially if you're putting yourself out there. I think it's really important to stay true to yourself. Like even if you do have sponsor obligations and yeah, I've got to put out X amount of content or or whatever. I think it is really important to go right. Well, I'll, I'll do that, but I'm going to do it the way Sam Light wants to do it. I'm not going to stand there, you know, yeah, with the script and you know, I, I, I yeah. want. Is that is that something you know now for you? You said at the beginning your roles kind of evolved into um, you know being the one of the guys at Slingshot and stuff. Is that something you kind of pass on or or look for when it comes to the Slingshot team and things like? Do you try and encourage that or is I, I definitely know, is there yeah? So yeah, so um, you know, a good thing to talk about here is like incentives right. um, and incentives. Basically, like is a great way for sponsors to. Because most of the time, team riders are rubbish at their job because their job isn't their job. It's their passion that they just want to do full time, but they never actually treat it as a job because it's their passion. Yeah. So they never make a video. So what you say is that if you get X amount of views, for example, if you get 5,000 views, then we'll give you 100 bucks or 100 pounds or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so because I've always been quite motivated, I've actually not had that many incentive-based contracts. I've had a few in my time, but if you're producing what they want, then they don't need to incentivize you. Um, so since becoming team manager, I've introduced a lot of incentives, you know, and to certain riders, and I'm going to introduce more and more because it's like a no-brainer. You make it easy for them to get. Like all you have to do is, you know, post once a week and it get you know over 100 likes and we'll give you 100 bucks a month or yeah, something yeah. like that you know yeah. so they'd be doing it anyway but it just kind of uh, is a way of you ensuring that you're getting your bang for your buck because yeah, yeah. it's really easy for you to say yeah 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 mate i'm gonna do that i'm gonna make loads of videos and you make a few videos and you sign a contract and then it just tapers off and all of a sudden you haven't heard from him in a couple of months you know, so yeah, the incentives are just a really good way to make sure you get your money's worth basically out of riders. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it keeps it keeps you know them all pretty happy as well. Like you know, you always find when you're when you're climbing up the ladder and stuff, everything usually you're in a better frame of mind, aren't you? When you've got something to aim for, and if you you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel all the time, if you're like, right, if I create this and get this, then I yeah, they, then I'm then I'm going to get this. Whereas if they feel like they're at the top already, it doesn't work for you because they end up getting complacent and they go, oh, well, it's fine. You know, I'm, I've just landed this on film and this, but I'm not putting out there and, you know, I'm saving it for a big edit in three months time and all this stuff, you know? And it's, it's, it's interesting how that works in people's heads as well of like when they get complacent, they kind of get a bit bored as well. Um, and then they start getting, you know, a bit frustrated and things. And I imagine you as a team manager you want you don't want that you want people to kind of be happy and stuff but also stay stay pretty hungry and sort of striving for to to keep you keep you happy you know yeah I think I think some riders just you know struggle to figure out what they want to do and also what their strengths are you know so yeah um, yeah I enjoy figuring out how to sort of you know get the most like if you know you can you can be a competition rider and if you're world champion, then you don't need to make any videos because you're world champion, you know, yeah. but if you're not, then you need to make videos or, or if you're world champion and you're making videos, then you're killing it. You yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think, um, yeah, just, yeah, the, the role of a team manager is to yeah help get the most out of the team really. So it's, yeah, it's fun to, to figure out how we can, you know, help them reach their potential. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find, um, with with you know vlogging and and social media and stuff like in in my opinion that's been that's a positive thing that's come that for for like professional athletes and things I think it, you know there's a lot of people saying it should be more about the results and stuff and and maybe I, I don't necessarily agree I think more content that's put out there the more it just pushes the whole sport up um, and makes it better yeah do you do you think that's had like do you think that's got a positive effect or like a negative effect on like you know, like mental health and, and well-being. Like, do you think people, do you think that kind of puts people down? Like they're sitting looking at it like, fuck, how, you know, get to 100 likes, get to 100 likes or? See, that's where I think, you know, Instagram 
yeah, it can, it can be both ways. It can be inspirational, but also Instagram in particular is quite like people portray what everybody wants them to think. Yeah. So I've always, you know, going back to that same thing, what's weird is, what's funny is that people, you know, put their life on Instagram, how they want it to be, like people to think them. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of do it, I do it for, you know, I put my kite life on there, but just don't, you know, post my personal life on my Instagram, you know, Um, because then, you know, but then you choose to share certain things. And I think what's cool about vlogging over Instagram is that, you know, you're, you're sharing your personality and, and, and most of the people that even kite surf don't understand what tricks we're doing, you know, anyway. And everyone on, you know, that's the people that are into the sport. They don't know if I'm done a 720 or a 180, you know. So, so if you're able to tell a story and explain it and, you know, add your personality is quite often people say they enjoy that the most, you know, yeah. learning about stuff and, and the background and the history and the story. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, that's super positive. Um, I think Instagram can be negative because people look at it and be like, Oh look, it's all amazing. I, you know, I should be happy and I should be, you know, why, why can't I do that? Whereas YouTube is a little bit more real, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think not, not, it doesn't necessarily even depend on the platform. It's just the kind of content that's being put out, you know, like if you're going out, that's true. You're kind of fumbling your words and you're, you know, just chatting, chatting about what you've had for, you know, what you've had for lunch and stuff in Brazil. Well, then I, I think it's, I think it's hard to fake that, you know, like if I'm going <laughs> to film myself, I can't, you know, I can only be myself. Whereas I can put up a caption that I think silly, but I think other people will like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Whereas it's hard. Yeah. To, I guess, I guess if you're good, you could put on a fake persona. And, and <laughs> I think actually yeah. some very successful people do that very well, you know, for they, sure. they blow up, they they embellish their personality or blow it up a little bit. I um, think someone who's done that amazingly is that uh, Fisher, you okay. know, uh, follow yeah, the yeah. fish. Like he just he learned how to harness his personality. Oh, dude, and he, he is. I used to follow him back in the day when he did. did I? We used to watch videos of him like going to snapper and surfers with dildos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd go and shout at Kelly Slater, at, like go on yeah. the and. The video of him like and then, kicked out of a house and almost getting beaten up and stuff. Yeah. And he obviously is like that, but I think he's done really well about, he doesn't care if people think he's a bit odd because he's got a funny laugh. Instead, he's gone the full opposite and he oh, makes right. his laugh even funnier. And people just, people love it because you're not perfect. And I think that's also really important to, to, to bring up. I think that's what's cool about YouTube is that at first, when you first start making vlogs, you think it has to be perfect. You think, I can't stutter it. And you do like 20 takes and it just gets so flat and dull. And yeah. you're like, oh. But then I, I really discovered that by watching other, you know, vlog, vloggers that I liked and then realizing that none of them are perfect and people like the outtakes and people like yeah, yeah. to know that you're not perfect. Whereas Instagram is you know, you it's hard to be more real, you know, so I think that's yeah. what's cool about YouTube well, think, is that you can see that you're not perfect. Yeah, well, people people tend to kind of put on put on the rose-tinted goggles on ever, for everything they put on Instagram and stuff, and I think, you know, it's, um, you know, like, like, like Fisher and like all these guys, I think, yeah, by being, by, by just putting themselves out there, um, I think it, it does, it, it does like, you know, you look at DVDs and movies, anytime you watch it, like there's always a blooper reel, isn't there? And that's often the fun, the funniest bit of the film. Sometimes is them like fucking up their lines at the end, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that, and that comes back to just not second guessing yourself, you know, just sure. just put it out there, whatever, you know. It is yeah. what it is. I mean these <laughs> these podcasts. I like. I finished them. I think I've edited one pod, one of the podcasts, and I think this is episode twenty twenty one. I've edited one. And then the rest, yeah, well. I put them. I put them out there. Half the time, I haven't even listened to them because I'm like, I'm like, I've done it. I've had the conversation. I know it. I know it went well. And I feel like if I do listen to it, I'll just overthink the whole thing and go. Yeah. And and I can't. It's not like I can message you be like, oh Sam, by the way, can we can we just do the whole thing again? You know, like 
it's not possible to do. So I think you, for, for me, I know that's the way my brain will do it. My brain will just automatically overthink it and go, uh, why didn't you ask this? Why didn't, why, you know, you sound like a dick there. Why didn't you do this? And I think yeah. sometimes that, that does make it worse. I think that's cool that you kind of just do the vlog a bit. And that's probably why you've been so successful with, with carrying it on is because it, you just do it like off the cuff kind of style, you know? Yeah. I don't think about it too much. Same with even the edits. Like I don't get too sucked into like the technical, like, you know, color correction and sound yeah, design. Yeah. I do, a, as I've got more into it, I do more, but I just kind of get it out there. But saying that as much as it's nice not to listen to it, occasionally if you go back and look at one you did like a year ago and, and yeah, yeah. watch it or listen to it you're like oh actually yeah I could have done that better and that better oh and you know so sometimes it's good to uh yeah yeah to go back later on because then you can you can realize how to improve yeah well I mean hind, you know hindsight's a beautiful thing and I think when I when I first started like my first few episodes I was certainly listening to them because I was kind of trying to figure out you, you do you know it is a process isn't it a bit like learning a new move you you're figuring out you know how do I pose these questions and how do I you know how how do I kind of steer it all um and things like that yeah I mean one one vlog I remember Mikey showing it to me like you know I think this was like last year or something where Mikey said to me oh you should try and get Sam to come on the podcast and it was one and I think you were just driving around America and you were like why don't they have roundabouts here Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was the wing. It was the winging one. When, yeah, yeah. You know, just stuff like that straight away. Like me and Mikey were like, "Yeah, that is really stupid, isn't it?" Like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, you know, little little things like that that suddenly you it turns you into Sam like the person, not Sam like the pro kiter. Do you know what I mean? I Definitely. Think and if yeah, you worry so much about making this polished thing that actually yeah. people don't want that. They want um, the real you. Yeah, for for sure, for sure. Um, so I mean, was there you know initially we, we is there is there any kind of nerves for you now putting putting stuff out there like do you do you ever get a bit anxious about that kind of thing or do you feel like you've kind of been been doing it for long enough now that you're 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 pretty chilled about it? I mean you seem you seem like a you know a real chilled pretty chilled guy yeah. does does that stuff ever kind of get to you or are you are you usually pretty pretty level headed yeah um yeah, not not so much now. Definitely, um, it definitely has taken me a long time. I never really worry too much about um, putting videos out. I guess doing like interviews and stuff, I used to get quite self conscious because I'd worry worry about stuttering. Sometimes, you know, I have problems like you know, it feels like I can't say what I want to say. And sometimes, if when you first start doing an interview and they, you know, you just can't you're so tense and you end up yeah not blabbering on and not saying what you want to say but over time you just learn yeah to to deal with it really yeah well I guess you know, a bit like you with um when you're doing King of the Air and you've got hundreds of people watching you I reckon it's a bit like that you can kind of get your music in and you know get into a different headspace um yeah it's funny though with me like riding I, ne- I kind of never felt that because you're kind of doing in the zone. Um, yeah. It's weird, yeah. But then doing like more interview stuff, I felt it way more than, you know, riding. I think that's, that's, pretty, Band, that's pretty natural for a lot of, you know, pro athletes and all these guys, whether they're, you know, like like basketball and stuff like the Michael Jordan thing on Netflix and things. Like you can tell they're all far more comfortable on a basketball court than they are in front of the press, in front of, of anything, you know, I, I know it's, it's part of it being a pro athlete and stuff, but I can, I can imagine it can get a little bit, um, a little bit exhausting sometimes, you know? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, we're not quite superstars like Michael Jordan. But no, of course, of course. But because, because we don't, I'm sure it, like that would definitely get exhausting. And, and yeah, there's, there's on the rare occasion when you're standing around all day to, to you know, film some interviews in the sun, it, it gets a bit, you know, over it. But really, in the scheme of things, it's, it's not that bad. Nice, mate. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good. No, I think, I think by the sounds of it, you've got, you've got a really nice balance um, for, for doing it and stuff. And I think like the, the vlogging and stuff you're doing, you're doing is, is, is really cool. It's really cool. Um, and I think it's good. So I think we will um, we'll kind of kind of wrap up there. Uh, sort of quick fire round towards the end. Um, 
obviously I always drink a I always drink a beer while I'm doing this. So I've been drinking Bareface Lager from Drew Drew Drygate Brewing Company. So that's that's been pretty nice. Uh, you said you're sipping a little G and T, were you? Yeah, gin and tonic. Nice, mate. Is that in, in, like preparation, in preparation for the thirtieth tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and also you said oh, I might have a beer, and I didn't have any beers, so. Right. <laughs> Are like, you, it's um, gonna have to be a gin and tonic. Are you usually are you usually more of a beer man? Are you do you like you like uh I flip to be honest, yeah. Um yeah, yeah, sometimes beer, sometimes spirits. Yeah, um, yeah, mix it up. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Where's um what's what's the what's the nice beer? What's the what's your beer of choice? You could be sipping I'm I'm pretty dull on my beers, to be honest, mate. I like a nice, crisp, cold lager, like yeah, me you know, too, mate. A, a Stella or something yeah. refreshing, a Peroni, perhaps. Yeah, Peroni, mate. Peroni for me. Um, but yeah, most people like these cool, trendy pale ales, but I'm not not really into it. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm slowly getting more into it. I think as I get older, but I think for me, and this is maybe the case for you, like having spent so much time abroad in like hot places, you kind of you just tend to drink lager all the time, don't you? Because like you get off, you get off the water and you're like, you know, in Cape Town, say, you know, you have a castle light and stuff and it's like the most refreshing, nice thing in the world, isn't it? So I've kind of, yeah, spent, yeah. I spent years doing that. So now I'm, that's kind of what I like drinking. Whereas, you know, all my friends who live in the UK and stuff like drinking, yeah, ale and stuff. And I'm like, oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, if you could, uh, obviously we're all in lockdown. Um, but you know, I think we're all pretty bored of talking about it. Um, but if you could, well, especially cause it's your birthday tomorrow, if you could snap your fingers and be anywhere, uh, for your birthday tomorrow, where would you, where would you be? Where would you go? That is a good question. Yeah. Mate. Uh, I'd probably be on the back of that boat. I saw Ollie on, um, somewhere in the Caribbean, I reckon. Yeah. Um, sat in a hot tub. <laughs> that would be, be quite nice. Yeah, dude, that sounds good. I'd be. I think I would. I think I would flip between either either Brazil or Cape Town at the moment. But I don't know. It seems to change every day for me. I spent a lot of time in Greece teaching windsurfing as well, so I'd maybe go there. But yeah, Cape Town. Cape Town's the one. I've not been back for a few years, so I want. Hopefully, we'll get the chance to go this this winter. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> um, and then while you've been on while you've been on lockdown. Um, I assume, like everyone, you've been watching TV, movies. Um, what's what have you been? What you been watching? What's your what's your movie of choice? Your TV of choice? Uh, good, good one. Um, I've been enjoying those Matt Jones mountain bike uh, vlogs. I don't know if you've seen that. He's a mountain biker, um, and he's been building it, trails in his back backyard. Oh, really? Cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of his channel sort of blown up. I mean, it was already big, but he's he's yeah, they're getting sort of like half a million views, these episodes, and he's building new jumps and adding to it, you know, and yeah. he's just working really hard on it. It's, it's quite cool. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah. Uh, don't know, we started watching Money Heist, but that was a bit rubbish. Got over it. <laughs> I I've been watching Ozark, which is all about like money. Okay, laundering. I've heard that's quite good. Yeah, that's really sick, mate. I'm on like, it's been a week and I'm majority of the way through season two already. So that's... Yeah, that Ozark's really good. Um, but yeah, no, I think I like I don't I don't I don't necessarily watch like a huge amount on YouTube. Like I watch I watch Joe Rogan's podcast on YouTube. I prefer doing that. Than yeah, they're YouTube. good. I like I like watching it because they they always bring up stuff and look at it and stuff. I think that's really cool. Um, I watch. Yeah, that. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But now that, I think like like we've spoken about. I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff on YouTube at the moment. I think, yeah, because you can have it on your TV now and things. It just makes it even better. Yeah, weirdly though, I'm not like a you know, not a fanatic YouTube watcher myself. I'm you know, I'm not one of those guys that watches it on the TV all night. Yeah, Um, I tend to just watch like an episode of something before I make a video to sort of get a bit bit of inspiration. Yeah, it's a good uh, idea and get some ideas. But yeah, to be honest, like I don't watch like huge amount of. uh, tv too many activities to do you yeah know? exactly <laughs> especially now we've been locked in for so long we'll be going mad yeah but yeah i mean like i've still i've still been getting out on the mountain bike a lot and i've been trying to use the time positively i've been trying to learn to wheelie on my mountain bike <laughs> which is very slow um but i'm getting there slowly so 
yeah, just been trying to yeah use the time to to do stuff that I wouldn't otherwise you know have time for, which is quite nice. Yeah, I think that's 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 the best thing to do. I mean, you know, like I've said in previous podcasts, I think we shouldn't feel pressure to do it, but if you if you do fancy it and if you are up for it, then I think trying to use this time to do learn something at least is is a good idea. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's also it's okay to do nothing sometimes, but also. I just am motivated to always, yeah, keep keep learning things, you know. Yeah. Cool. Well, I have, I have on days and off days. I've, you know, some days I'll be like, you know, I'll watch a movie and then I'll play a bit of Xbox and then I'll do this. And then another day I'll do like, you know, a load of work and I'll be like, I'll record two two episodes of the podcast and I'll be out. I'll have walked 15,000 steps down the beach and town and then back again, you know. So it's it's kind of peaks and troughs um, at the moment. But I think that's the same yeah. thing. And hopefully, yeah, yeah, we can start getting back to normal, mate. We'll um, see. Who knows? This might be our new normal. Well, fingers crossed, it's not. But <laughs> either way, we'll see. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Real, real kind of good insight into um, the life of a professional athlete, what it's like. Um, you know, some really interesting points on there about you know social media, vlogging, kind of putting yourself out there, and kind of not being afraid to um, to to kind of. Yeah, dip your toe in the water, take that first step and, and try something new. Um, so hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Um, and Sam's actually got his own kind of podcast thing going. Um, and it's called, what's it called? Tea Time. Tea Time with Sam. Yeah, Tea Time with Sam. It's on uh, all, the, all the platforms. All the, it's you on know, all the platforms. You know where to find it. Exactly. And that's, and that's um, kind of more about you chatting with kind of fellow pro kiters and, and stuff like that. So if you guys are particularly into your kite surfing, um, make sure you guys uh, check that out and then check out all Sam's video on YouTube as well um, and yeah guys thank you very much good night and I will see you for the next one